those types of descriptions throughout the story, those um, thought tags, they're like spice. You, you sprinkle a little bit here and there, and it, it flavors the entire story. It doesn't overwhelm it. So changing the spice in the story isn't incredibly difficult. And if that's all it takes to save your story, then you know, you're well on your way. Taylor Stevens. I am the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the Vanessa Michael Monroe series. And today I am here on the Taylor Stevens show with my good friend, Steve Campbell, and I am going to hog the mic. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Um, Last week, we had been talking about the inciting incident. And we were, we, we ended the show Uh, going over one of Steve's story, which is how this topic sort of came up in the first place between us as an idea for uh, for one of our our podcasts. And so at the end of last week's show, um, it reminded me that um, how easy it can sometimes be to fix story problems, because he was realizing after our inciting incident discussion that getting his story problems fixed wasn't going to require a major overhaul of his novel. So that that reminded me of some other issues or writing tips or what what have you that I guess could fall under the category of when your story doesn't work, all is not lost. So um, this, for me, in writing... Um, For those who don't already know, The Informationist was my first book, and it was the first story, first novel that I'd ever completed, and it was the first thing to get printed. And a lot of authors sort of often follow a different path where their their first novel to get published is not usually the first novel that they've written. And this, to me, does not mean that I am a better writer or storyteller than all these other authors. What I think it was in my particular case is that I just didn't have any time to waste because I'd already lost 30-something years, uh, well, 30 years of growing up and being raised in a religious, religious cult, and I was starting life as an adult with, like, a mile behind the starting line of where I should have been. And I just didn't have that option of uh, writing for a year and then just saying, well, this isn't working and um, and then throwing it away and starting over. Uh, honestly, my first, first drafts of The Informationist were pretty sucky. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it didn't start off as good as it ended up. And it was, it was a trial by fire. So, what I learned along the way is that, um, you know, if you're determined to save a story that's not working, it usually can be saved. It, it may require um, a lot of work or may not, but there are some parts of stories that um, are easier to save than others. And this is in particular with characters, motivations, scenes that just don't seem to be working, and uh, a plot that doesn't really tie together properly or has holes in it or things seem to be contrived, you name it. So um, one of the the big ways, I think, to fix a story uh, that's just not working is often the character is conflicting with the plot. And so authors kind of have this idea of what they want their characters to do, but the character, it just, it's not working and it falls a little flat and it comes across as contrived. Well, changing a character is really not that difficult because 
you know, insert a few conversations here, insert a little bit of backstory, change a little bit of backstory, not a lot of tweaking involved, and you can revamp your character. And by tagging, by making sure that their motivations for what they do are very clear, then it can change a character from being weak to being strong, from being stable to being unstable. There's so many things you can do to tweak a character in very, very minute places because those types of descriptions throughout the story, those um, thought, thought tags or what have you, they're like spice. You, don't, you, you sprinkle a little bit here and there and it, it uh, flavors the entire story. It doesn't overwhelm it. So changing the spice in a story isn't incredibly difficult. And if that's all it takes to save your story, then you know, you're well on your way. Plot can be a little bit more difficult, especially if you've got huge scenes that are already written out and they just don't fit together. For that, the easiest is to save yourself before you get started by going back to last, like as we discussed in last week's podcast, making sure that you have that inciting incident down because that ties all the plot points together in a way that is logical and makes sense and isn't contrived. Um, it's been my experience that even in my own books, things that are problematic, they can be saved through excising the right material in the right place and reinserting other material there. And so you, when you write the story, you have this framework. It's like a skeleton. And when you're doing this shifting around, changing motivations, um, tweaking plots, tweaking the reasons why things happen, you can completely change the body that's on that skeleton without actually changing the skeleton a whole lot. And you have a completely different person at the end, the different story at the end that actually works and functions in a way that the original might not have. You're probably looking for questions here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I have one. I have yes, one. Because you've it. mentioned before in, in previous episodes uh, the idea of just taking little bits of information and sprinkling it around as opposed to things like information dumps, and things like that. Is that what you're talking about? Taking, taking uh, when you say excising material and then using it in different places, is that what you're talking about? Or are you just talking about cutting it out and then using something else in different places? Actually, both will work. Um, like if you have material that you absolutely need to save, but it doesn't belong where you have it, there's a way to reuse it without getting rid of it. But I'm thinking of a story where, um, or, or a situation where, it just, somebody says, I just don't understand why that character did X, Y, Z. That just doesn't make any sense. That's really easy to fix. Just change the motivation a little bit, tweak it. All of a sudden it makes sense. Um, where they go off on to a, to a location, for example, to find something or visit something, and it feels like it doesn't belong in the story. But you know, as the author, that it's kind of critical to, you know, showing some character trait that you just can't seem to find somewhere else. Well, you can make it be critical to the story by making that a place where they get information that they couldn't have gotten somewhere else or making it, uh, tying it in, creating that, that line, that connection to the rest of the story. Um, there's just, it's really hard to, to give a specific without a specific example in front of my face. But the point being that although I know there must be stories that are not salvageable, <laughs> I think that if the person's willing to dedicate the time and the willing to give up 
their initial idea of how it was supposed to be and exchange it with another idea that might work uh, and not, not just hold, hold on to it, then you can make an unworkable story work. It, it, it can take work. And I can give you an example of when it's not necessary. The, the question to ask, like I've, I've had situations where someone's like, well, it would be much more interesting if they found this information a different way. And I'm like, well, is it going to make it different or is it going to make it better? Because interesting is a relative term. What's interesting to one person might not be interesting to another. So when it comes time to cutting out material or changing material, if it's going to make it better, make the story better, then consider it. And if it's not and it's just going to make it different, it's probably a waste of time. I have a, a novel that I have been working on for quite some time. It's one of those things that I just keep going back to. And there was a period of time where I, I sent it out to some people and they, they read it and said, this is a hot mess and here's why. And they gave me a bunch of reasons. The biggest reason was that there was no inciting incident, although they didn't say that. You know, Going back to last week, there was no inciting incident and I didn't realize it until after we'd had that discussion, but there was no inciting incident. There were right. just these events that kept happening and there was one event that happened a third of the way through the book, and it is the thing that, that drives the rest of the story, and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. And so I wrestled with it and wrestled with it and finally threw it in a drawer, did other things. And one day I was out taking a walk, and I thought, oh, I could just move that to the beginning of the book, and that solves all these problems. You know, then, of course, I have to go in and fix all the other things that are connected to that. Yes. But... It's not that big a deal. When I first thought of it, it seemed like a huge deal. But when I actually looked at it, it wasn't that big a deal. So all was not lost. Right. And that is something that I've heard my agent talk about because my agent is really editorial minded. Um, she she gets very involved with books before an editor will ever get the first ma the manuscript delivered. So she's had times where she's read authors books and she's like, this story is great. It just needs to start. 40,000 words in instead of where it starts <laughs> and get rid of the rest. It's extraneous. And I think often what happens, and this is probably going to be particularly true for, for the newer authors who don't have as much experience with it, is that it took them that long to get their story figured out. So yes. The, yes. those first 40,000 words was them trying to sort of get a feel for the characters and understand the characters and understand the plot and the motivations and all of that. And it just wasn't necessary for the reader to go through all of that. But when you're, when you're new, you don't always get that. So that's where somebody's advice to you and telling you, you know, look, this, this is just not needed. So um, I, I think it would be really interesting to hear from an editor or from an agent on what they would consider to be an unsalvageable story. But I would think that almost inevitably it's going to come down to it just doesn't all tie together and we don't care about these characters and um, it just, it's not working. That's always like, it's such a vague thing is it's mm -hmm. not working. But I mean, as long as the writing is consistent to a certain standard that it's not working is going to be story problems and story problems can be fixed if you're willing to go into it with a really open mind and, and, do do the hard work of of figuring out what it is that's not working. Is this character the wrong character? 
Does it need to be, does, does she need to be a he? Does he need to be younger? Does, is this world that I've put them in, is that what's not working? The, the critical thing for me, in my mind, is it has to make sense. It has to tie together where every single why is answered. Why did he do that? Why did he feel that? Why did he want that? And when you can answer all of those whys and the reader understands all of those whys, the story has a lot more stick to it, that cohesiveness that drives us with that compelling narrative. We want to understand what's happening in this story. I'm going to take this in a completely different direction for a second. You mentioned something you said just triggered something in my mind. There is a need in writing fiction to remind the reader of things because they may have put the book down for a week and a half and they may not remember when they pick it up. But sometimes when you do read it, when you read a book straight through, when you're reminded as a reader, it's a little annoying. So there's got to be a fine line to walk as an author in reminding the reader in, in easy to understand ways that don't take a lot of words uh, so that you don't annoy the reader, but you keep them in the story. Yes. The, the thing is that, you know, I'm not, even if somebody, 99% of people think that I'm doing it right, there's still people who get annoyed with what I do. So the first thing to remember is there's no way you're going to make everybody happy with your level of repetition. I think um, one way that you can avoid repeating, or I guess you could say you can repeat without the appearance of repeating, is by association where the the character's mind that you're in has associated something with an event or with another character. And so when it's time to remind readers what that was, you use association rather than just spell it all out again. That's, I think, can be helpful. Can you give an example? I'm putting um, you on the spot now. You put yeah, me on the spot really, last week. Yeah, you really me on the spot. Um, let's say that your character sees a guy at the beginning of the story who has red pants on. And so you as the author know that those, that guy's going to come back in another part of the story. Your character doesn't at the time. And so the character notices the red pants and thinks, you know, ah, that reminded me of, you know, a fire engine or whatever. And so Later on in the story, instead of saying, and this was the guy that she saw walking in the park, the character goes, ah, red fire pants guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right, now back to our original topic. Yes. You mentioned that there were three things that might not be working. We've talked a lot about characters or characterization character. Uh, we've talked a lot about motivation. Uh, and you also mentioned plot that doesn't hold together. You, you've talked a little bit about that. But is there more? Is there more to fixing a plot that doesn't hold together? Um, see, this is where I probably should, instead of going, "Hey, guys, you know, if story problems are fixable," to actually sit down and go, "How?" And then two weeks later, I'd surface and go, "Well, that was two weeks of writing that I didn't do." <laughs> um, yes. Because again, I I know it like instinct instinctually. Um, I think just off the cuff. I'm sure there are many things about plots that don't work, but if you had to narrow it down into just one thing, it is that they have to tie together. Everything has to make sense. And you can have 
something that doesn't tie together and tie it together without a lot of work. If you just figure out, figure it out. It, it's, it involves a lot of thinking of how, how, why, why, what's not working in this scene. And you can take out little things that maybe push the scene in one direction. And by taking those out, you can make them more neutral and feed them in a different direction. Um, I can give an example for that. There's a scene that I'm working on right now where an event, something with, it is a very fast moving scene and it happens within minutes. And one of the characters thinking, well, that was really stupid for that person to do that because that gave me the advantage. And that's been bothering me for a while because I'm thinking, well, why would they do that and give them the, the advantage? It just doesn't make any sense. And I realized, you know what, the scene would work, work a whole lot better if we just took that out where they didn't do that stupid thing. Therefore, you know, we cut down the pacing, we make it move faster, we keep the pressure on, and it's, it's not even necessary to have that in there. So that type of excising, you can save a lot of stuff just by removing stuff and treating it with a less is more approach. Um, and the same thing goes for too much information, too much description, less is more. And so uh, that's one way that I would, you know, on a very micro level, salvage bits and pieces of scenes instead of scrapping the scene and saying, well, this is just isn't working. This isn't just working. Is just take out part of it and make the rest of the scene work. Okay. That's good. That's good. All right. We are out of time. And you know what we didn't do last week? I noticed when I was editing the show is we neglected for the first time ever, I think, to do a call to action. Ha! And I, I was so excited about Thanksgiving and the turkey and, in, in my case, the pumpkin pie, which I absolutely <laughs> love, that uh, we forgot. So we have to do it this week. So uh, this week's call to action, I think, should probably be to encourage people to go to your Hack the Craft website, which is still just a one-page website, and sign up for the email list. Yes, and pressure me to get this thing done. I am working on it, you guys. I, I really want to get it done. I, I've done some, some teaching and some recording in the hopes of being able to put together the material into a course. So fingers crossed. But yes, hackthecraft.com is where if you want to be kept updated and understand some of these principles that I'm trying to figure out how to articulate about writing, then that's the place to get them. And when she says, I could explain this, but it would take two weeks, that's going to be the place to go to get that two <laughs> weeks worth of information. <laughs> yes. Take me two weeks to, to articulate would take two minutes to explain once I figure it out. So that's it for this week. Yeah. So um, exciting times. We're going to be back again next week, I think, right? We are going to be back again next week as we are rolling through the holiday season. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. 